What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, everybody, back to the Domcast episode 19, and this season has not been clean. But did you expect anything different? I said this at the beginning of the year uh, with COVID complications and everything that I kind of thought we were going to be fixing this year. I thought it would be something like we have now. Um, And it's a shame, but I guess at least we have basketball to watch because what else would we be doing, right? Remember last year? Was it around a year ago this time where they had us watching? What was that? A virtual horse contest oh yeah those were dark times uh, we, we don't need to revisit that anyways we are here with oh wow wow oh, yeah i've been losing track of the days man i've had a crazy couple of weeks here um yeah literally a month until the play-in <laughs> a month until the play-in yeah we, we we can start there actually because that has become the subject of a lot of i don't know if you call it unwarranted controversy but we'll, we'll just stick with controversy yeah, all of a sudden, there's a lot of playing hate. I don't know how much you all surf Twitter or listen to Jeff Van Gundy or commentary in general or just kind of listen to what's out there in the NBA atmosphere. But all of a sudden, that we're now that we're close to the playoffs, we're hearing these things about, oh, why does the play-in exist? We don't know if it's going to be here next year. Why are they doing this? Uh, and rewind about two months ago because we did have a discussion about it. I was under the impression most people liked it. I guess now that we're getting close to it and we're getting close to the playoffs and we see the way things are shaping up, maybe it, maybe on paper it sounded good to some people, but now that <laughs> they're actually seeing the effects of it and they're feeling a little bit scared for their teams, now they're like, all right, this, this isn't fair. So let's get to that argument. That, that's what it is, right? People are basically saying the play-in is not a... It's not a fair method because you can play, in this case, we only had 72 games this season. So you can play 72 games and have your entire season come down to basically a uh, a hot shooting night from somebody. And everything can be ruined just like that. Of course, the counter argument, the quick quip back to that would be, oh, well, just don't get caught in the play-in then. Do better throughout the season. I don't... I don't necessarily think it's fair to use that argument this year, given that teams have just kind of been screwed over by COVID and losing guys for weeks at a time. And then when guys come back, they're not even 100 percent, as you heard from Jason Tatum this week. So, yeah, it's not necessarily fair to just say don't get caught back there. I think some teams have been caught in unfortunate situations all year and just kind of playing through it. That being said, uh, shout out to Steve Jones on the dunker spot, because I keep seeing him. tweet. I've seen him tweet a couple of times about it, and he said, it's pretty much by design that we're having a conversation this year about the play in and not tanking because that's normally the conversation we're having around this time, right? What teams uh, probably from the 10th or 11th seed on, we're talking about them tanking and their games being useless. This year, we're talking about the play in. So he was saying that's kind of by design. It's not an accident. And I, I actually get, I actually get both arguments. I get that you, because I, I, me and my dad always talked about, the NFL format and how that would translate to basketball. He was always 
he's always on the side of, oh, I like the way the NFL does it. I like that it's just one game take all. Of course, football is different. Uh, it's a lot more brutal. So uh, there's a lot of things that make sense to only have one game. And I always said, no, we should never have that in basketball, Dad, because <laughs> we used to talk about it when I was younger. I'm like, what happens when we end up with the, the Bobcats and the Jazz in the finals? No, because <laughs> that could just happen, right? It could just happen. Somebody goes off for 40 points. We've seen Corey Brewer go off for 50. Mo Williams go off for 50. Like, what happens when, when that goes down and, and the other team shots doesn't fall? And now we're stuck with Utah and Charlotte in the finals. Lord God, no. So, uh, I do get that because in the play-in, although it's not just uh, one game, because if you're the lower seed in the play-in, you actually have to win two games. But still, though, that is a that is a very... There's a very small window for error, right? There's a small margin for error. We're actually saying that in The Sims we're doing right now on Twitch. Because back in the 70s, the first round of the playoffs, that team only had to win two games to advance. That's literally what it was in the first round. So it feels kind of weird because you can go through that whole season and then your team could just get team could just get clapped just like that. So I get that. I do get that. Right now, if uh, you're worried about that type of thing, you are probably looking at the Mavericks. And then on the east side, well, now you're looking at Miami because Oladipo has been out and they just haven't been able to get it together. They've been wholly inconsistent. But again, they're one of those teams that have just kind of been scrambled by COVID this season. So I get not wanting to have your entire season come down to this. But on the other hand, things are as even though it's it's very ratchet this season and I get that things are very competitive still. Uh, just take a look at the Western Conference. So the 10th seed right now is the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, wow, yeah, there's been some distance. There has been some distance gained. So now, really, only the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, it really only goes down to 11 in the Western Conference. So the Pelicans are two and a half games behind the Spurs. After that, the Kings have gone on a massive slide, a massive losing streak. Same thing with the Thunder, actually. So both of them, at this point, with so little time left in the season, are pretty much X'd out. I, a week ago, if you would have looked, or two weeks ago, if you would have looked, the Kings were still in it. I, I don't think they are anymore. So it goes down to 11 teams in the Western Conference that are competitive, that are not just resting guys out of the blue, because there's a chance that they could be in the playoffs, where if you put this in the regular season, if you put this in the regular season right now, the West is so tight, it would still pretty much be the same thing. If the Memphis Grizzlies at the A seed, uh, yeah, no, then it would only go down to 10. Yeah, then it would only go down to 10 because the Pelicans are actually four and a half games out of eighth so yeah if you were to go and put this in a normal season and say only the eight teams are making the playoffs no ifs ands or buts about it then the spurs would still be competing and after that it would cut off so as as things uh, progress here it's pretty much getting to the point where it's starting to even out a little bit you go to the eastern conference is it still the same as when i looked at it so chicago uh, bless yeah see this is where i think people have a problem okay so the west is actually really tight uh, it's a, it, we don't know what's going to happen there as normal i think the play-in has only amplified that you look at the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls are at this point almost a full four games behind the Indiana Pacers. They don't have Zach Levine because of health and safety protocols, and he got the meanest health and safety diagnosis I've seen all season. They just said, yeah, we're not going to see this. We have no clue when we're going to see this guy again. I'm like, damn, does he actually have the, the vid? <laughs> like, I don't know. Whatever, Whatever's happening there point is Chicago should be out of this thing if you were to look at a regular season they would be five or six games behind the Charlotte Hornets there's no way they're gonna make up that distance Chicago unless unless you know God just reaches down and blesses them they're not that's not happening so in regular season Chicago would be totally out of it but they have such a high margin for error they could still end up with the playoffs so I can get that frustration if you're Charlotte who's been hanging on by threads without LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward and you're like, what gives? We're fighting and we're hanging on to this and a team like Chicago can come out of nowhere and steal it. 
So yeah, I, I as I'm talking about it more, I really do get the frustration with this. The Washington Wizards, who had a horrible start. Damn, they're tied with the Bulls. Now, I didn't realize that. We may see Westbrook in the playoffs. The Toronto Raptors, I think they were uh, they just got fined, basically, for the resting protocols and not having legitimate reasons or whatever. They're still in the race. They are still in the race. It goes down to 12 in the... Uh, it goes down to 12 in the Eastern Conference. In theory, it goes to 13 with the Cavaliers, but I think they're too far behind. They're about three games behind the Bulls. I guess they can make up that difference, but that would be really, especially being the Cavaliers, that would be very difficult. But there's a world where that could happen, and they are 20 and 36. The Magic, however, shout out Chumo Kiki and everything they got going on there, but they're, <laughs> bless their hearts, they're, they're not going to see the playoffs. Not this year. Uh, I bought a little bit of Magic stock after the trade deadline. I'm looking towards the future, so I'm not going to dog them too bad. Look, man, if you're for the play-in, you're not for the play-in. I actually, I get it both ways because I can't sit here and lie and say that I'm not a little bit excited that we can still see Westbrook and Beal in the playoffs. I don't expect them to do anything, but I find them fascinating. I find them somewhat fascinating. I'm not sitting here dedicating all my time to Wizards basketball. I'm not into it like that. But if we were to see them and somehow they play Brooklyn in the first round, that would be fun, I guess. It would just be a little bit of fun, and that would not be a possibility in the regular world. And some people are saying, well, yeah, it shouldn't be a possibility. They didn't do their work early or whatever happened to them happened to them. But the alternative version to this is teams would be giving up. I think that's kind of where I stand. The alternative version to this is guys would be resting. Maybe someone slips in on a national TV game or they're playing against your team and you're, you're playing their third stringers or you're playing their second stringers because they have nothing to play for. With a month left, they have nothing to play for. And I think that's what's kind of interesting to me because normally by this point, I loathe the regular season. I have two modes. It's so weird because during the offseason, I would watch. You could get me to watch any type of basketball when the offseason really gets into that that deep stretch where there's just nothing going on. I'm like, bro, please bring the Bobcats back. <laughs> I will watch Bobcats basketball. I'll watch anybody play right now. When you normally when I get to this part in the season, I'm like, I don't care if it does not involve like mega names. I'll, I'll catch some breakdowns or whatever. I don't want to see this. But given that there's so many teams that still have an opportunity, I'm still somewhat it's keeping me somewhat engaged and it's making this last month easier because now I really want playoff basketball, especially because somebody's dropping every week. Uh, there's a player dropping with an injury every week there's the Lakers right now have been playing without their two best guys for like the last month pretty much and LeBron still has a good three weeks I think they say every time I hear it on TV they say he's about three weeks away AD might be coming back soon though so that's good I think that'll be a good segue into Los Angeles because you have to you have to applaud them bro you have to applaud them I'm not one of those those weird ass accounts you follow on Twitter that like, I get it. We have this thing going on with the Celtics and Lakers, and we always have. And I'm still salty about 2010. But if you notice, I really don't jab at the Lakers like that on Twitter. I'm not always thinking about them. I'm not always putting out a weird tweet about the Lakers. I actually like what they have going on there. Um, it's it's still fuck LA. But, <laughs> but I can appreciate good things, right? I appreciate good things on the court. And what's really shocked me with LA, and what's obviously shocked everybody, this isn't news. They have hung on very nicely. They have hung on very nicely without their two best, and they've done it in the West. This is undoubtedly the best day. I could say this off the dome. This has to be the best a team has ever done without LeBron on the floor. Because, well, first of all, how many times has LeBron ever actually been off the floor? We had the groin a couple of years ago. Sometimes he had like an ankle uh, that not like this. He has you know, it could be a small ankle sprain or whatever. He really doesn't miss time like that. But normally all you ever hear is when LeBron is gone, the, the team is done. LeBron is gone, the team is gone. Not this year, man. 
what is their record right now? In their last 10, they're 5-5. Five and five. So we could just go off that because they've won. And obviously, I think they've probably caught some breaks in some areas. Like playing the Jazz yesterday, the go Bay, everyone rested, and then Donovan Mitchell got hurt. So I think there's no way. Of course, that would have been a loss if they were playing a healthy Jazz team. They were not. But that doesn't matter because if you just look at all the other games they've played, I think if you looked at a 10-game stretch when you first saw LeBron was was scratched for however long, you're like, wow, that's that's probably two and eight. That's probably three and seven. And they have held on so nicely. And that is so important because at the same time as they're holding on, a team like the Mavericks just cannot get on any type of consistent streak. Shout out to Luca and his insane game winner against the Grizzlies the other night. That was a hood classic. I did watch that one. That was a hell of a lot of fun. Again, see, uh, well, Memphis is AC. Scratch that. I'm not going to go into that rant again about the play in. But it did give them some distance that Luka game winner did. That was the difference between them being damn near tied and then Dallas gaining some some distance and not being the A seed and having to win two games. Yada yada. We already did we already did the play and talk. But yeah, at the same time that the Lakers are holding on and doing average, Dallas will win one or two and then they'll lose a game that you didn't think they were supposed to lose. They and Julius Randle lit them up the other night. And so there's not really been a uh, great chance for LA to fall into the play in as we kind of thought they would. I think a lot of people thought the Lakers were going to be a play in team. I prefer them not to be because in the playoffs, I do at least want the best guys there. And I, again, to your to you guys' point, if you don't like to play in, yeah, I would hate for LeBron and AD to end up in a play-in series with, uh, I don't know, the Mavericks, I guess. And then all of, for whatever reason, they don't beat them. And then now we don't have, we don't have LeBron and AD or they're in the A seed or whatever. I, I would rather them just kind of solidly be where they're supposed to be. Right now, they sit in the fifth seed. They are only a game and a half behind the Nuggets. It's starting to look like... It's starting to look like that's going to be the playoff matchup. Denver has lost Jamal Murray. We'll get into that a little bit later. They, If they lost a couple, it really looks like four and the five are just going to kind of be switching. And it looks like that's what it's going to be, man. That really sucks. That whole, that whole thing sucks. Uh, before I get to that, I did want to say that I thought Andre Drummond was going to be a positive for the Lakers when everyone is healthy. He had a good game yesterday. He did some good things. And he's been doing some good things. People, Andre Drummond has just gotten so much hate this year. I don't think a lot of people watched him play basketball, obviously. You you see some, you see what people say about him and you see a couple of bad plays and whatever is happening in Cleveland when he was there. And then he sat out for a while. And so he goes to LA and my take on it was, well, when they're healthy, first of all, this is a really good team. He's going to be asked to do very little. And I think that he can help them. All the, when you go to a team like the Lakers, you go to a team like the Nets, you only need to do a couple of things good. Just a couple of them. Just, just be a star in your role. And I think this little time that, the, uh, that he's played without those stars, I think he's shown some flashes of what he's going to be able to do when they are in. So long story short, I think Andre Drummond is going to be a plus for the Lakers. I think he's kind of proved that. And they are going to be a hell of a team to deal with. Because look at what their run is going to be. Now we can go to the Lakers Nuggets. Yeah, Lakers Nuggets kind of looks to me like it's going to be the first round. This is very unfortunate because the Nuggets just lost Jamal Murray. Lost him for the season on an ACL injury. It was kind of strange. I saw everyone saying like... As soon as that happened, everyone was talking about the schedule. And the crazy schedule. And they shouldn't be playing these games. And... Every, it, every, it's just kind of being forced because of COVID, but the injury, I, mean, I watched it live. It was kind of an ACL injury that could happen in any game. He was just running and his knee just blew out. He took a hard step and it just folded. That could have happened any game, anytime. I don't really think that was the injury to bring up the schedule in, but nonetheless, 
Man, without Jamal Murray, the, the dreams for the Denver Nuggets, they're gone. That's just a reality there. I'll gladly take my L of Jokic carries this team to the finals and they win the championship. But that is a that is a very, very steep hill. This is not like when the Mavericks in 2011 lost Karan Butler for the season. Uh, back then, when I was younger, I did think that X'd them out. But of course, that was a very well-rounded team. I already thought Denver's depth was suspect. And Jamal Murray to this Nuggets team is more important than like a Karan Butler was to the Mavs when I was a kid. Murray is was a was a dynamic point of attack at the point guard for them. He was part of what was going to make this lineup so great after they got Aaron Gordon. All that that I made videos about with Jokic being the MVP and the Nuggets having this newfound hope, all that was contingent on them being healthy. It really was. Of course, Jokic can still win the MVP, but as far as the Nuggets having any real hope, I'm going to be real with you. They look like a first round out to me now. And they look like a first round out because they're going to be playing the Lakers. That's at this point, at this point. I don't know. Uh, they could theoretically end up in third and they could avoid that. Yeah, two games behind the Clippers. But again, that would take some losses from the Clippers and some wins from the Nuggets. And at this point, I don't it, it'll be kind of difficult for the Nuggets to fall to six. As a matter of fact, there's almost no way they're going to fall to six. They are they have some good distance between them and Portland right now. And L.A. at fifth, there's it, it'd be very hard for them, especially because they don't have LeBron for another three weeks. It'd be very, very hard for them to take the Clippers for third. So at this point, uh, time dwindling, it looks like the Nuggets and Lakers are starting to become a thing. And if it is right, let's just say I'm, I'm not wrong and this does happen. Lakers will be healthy. The Nuggets will not be. The I'm sure Jokic will still be great. Uh, but <laughs> in a series, look, when they had Jamal Murray, I still would have said, like, I don't see them putting LA out in the first round. Without him, and you got Faku Campazo playing, this sucks, man. This really does suck because that will pretty much crush the season for them. You'll have an MVP go out in the first round. And then Jamal Murray just did this a week ago. And the ACL is, what, 10 to 12 months? So he's not even going to be back till around the end of next season. I have more faith in injuries than I used to. Of course, I grew up with the Derrick Rose ACL and him never being the same player and that just kind of being a death sentence. Now you see guys like Zach Levine come back. You forgot they tore the ACL. You see Kevin Durant come back from an Achilles injury. Uh, every bit as good as he was, if not better. John Wall comes back off of an Achilles as fast as he was. So I have no, I re, I'm really not worried about Jamal Murray being the same player. I think he will be, but it does suck that this is kind of going to cost them two seasons. More than likely, because even when he comes back, let's say he would be like load managing by April of next year, which would be the playoffs. I think we're going to have a normal timeline next year where the playoffs starts back in April like he used to. So Jamal Murray would maybe be back for the playoffs next year and would he even be 100 percent. This is terrible for the Nuggets. This whole thing is really terrible for the Nuggets. This is the best team I've ever seen them have. This is the best team they've had in my lifetime. But that's just a very heavy haul you're asking of them to knock out the defending champions who are going to be I, that's the part I think I missed right there I was talking a little bit about Andre Drummond the fact that the Lakers have survived without them and they've still been great defensively what have they have the first or second best defensive rating in the NBA without LeBron and AD so you throw them back onto you throw them back on top of this and they've clearly got a great show supporting cast and they've been able to hold their own and the LA should probably still be the favorite in the West as long as AD and LeBron are at least something like they were, which I'm pretty sure they will be. They, yeah, they should, they should probably still be the favorites in the Western Conference. And so that's a, it's a really raw deal for Denver, man. The Lakers would then, they would by virtue of them being the fifth seed, in the second round, that would put them against 
the Utah Jazz, I'm pretty sure. I, I see Utah getting out of the first round. Uh, I know some people are like, oh, what if they play this team or that team? Man, look, I think the only team that they could play in the play-in that would uh, that I would look at it and be like, oh, maybe they, that team will beat them. And still, no, probably not. Uh, maybe just because Luka's on the Mavericks, but no, I don't, I don't see I don't see Dallas eliminating Utah in the first round. And if that didn't happen, then yeah, you'd have Utah and LA in the second round. <laughs> you want to guess who I'm going with there? Uh, Utah is good, man. Utah is 42 and 15. They definitely deserve their uh, respect for this year. It is unfortunate that Donovan Mitchell just went out with a scary injury, but I'm sure he'll be back by the playoffs. But they might fall out of the first seed because of that. They really might fall out of the first seed because of that. They are only a game and a half above the Phoenix Suns. So that would take home court advantage away for the entire playoffs. Well, not for the entire playoffs, but yeah, through the Western Conference, it means they possibly don't have home court. I think that might be kind of important to them, seeing that, what, have they not lost in Utah this year? Or maybe only lost one in Utah this year, something like that, something crazy. Uh, 26-3, and 26-3 at home, okay. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been pure insanity for them. Utah is a good team, great supporting cast. I think people are kind of looking at them this year, though, without a superstar player, and that's probably why they aren't as high on it. And it, just the fact that it's Utah, and people don't respect Rudy Gobert either. <laughs> Shout out to Ben Simmons and his interview, the defensive player of the year talk. I think we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, then yeah, so I'm sure LA would be happy with playing them in the second round. I still think it would be competitive, but I think the Lakers would come out of that clean, and then their conference finals matchup would uh would be fascinating. There's no guarantee who would be at that point. So either way, long story short, the Lakers, I am I have my eye on them, and I still think all things given, and everyone comes back healthy, they're probably still the favorites in the West. If I'm a Lakers fan, I'm really happy right now. Uh, what else is going on in the Western Conference? Steph Curry is happening in the Western Conference, bro. Steph Curry is happening to the NBA. Last night, I saw one of the most incredible games I have seen throughout my entire time being a fan, bro. Like, I wasn't even having a great day yesterday, and I, yesterday, and I watched Steph Curry and Jason Tatum play, and it was, it was actually, it was, it was incredible, bro. It was awesome. Uh, brightened my mood a bit. I think both of them had, like, 40-something and bro just Steph Curry that's that's the that's the segment right there that's all I have to say is Steph Curry man he came into the season and he shattered my expectations what's the stat that I saw last night let's see if I can do this off the dome I think it said that in NBA history there's only there, there's never been a player in NBA history with three 10 plus three point three point shooting games so like there's never been a, uh, a player to make 10 threes three times in a season and Steph Curry did that this week, I believe. I think that's the stat. Don't quote me on it, but it's something like that. Curry also has the worst spacing in the NBA, or, or one of the worst spacing situations in the NBA. There was another page on Twitter I saw who did the spacing by percentile, and they used some uh, three-point metric. It was pretty complicated how they did it. But anyways, they came up with percentiles, and I think they said Steph was in like the fifth or something like that in terms of spacing. So he had no spacing this season. No other all-star players this year. No superstars like he's had throughout his career. Uh, it's been a really raw project. James Wiseman trying to learn. He's now out as well, so that makes their climb to the playoffs harder. They uh, are not a good team. They're not a good overall team. When Curry's not on the floor, it, it very much looks looks like uh, the, the G League squad. Yeah, it does. It does. Pascal hasn't been around. But Curry shattered my expectations this year even mine for him 
I was not on the side of, oh, Curry's legacy is on the line and now he's about to get exposed. But I'd be transparent with you. I did think teams were going to be able to harass him. I thought teams were going to go at him and leave everybody else open because they know that they can. And I thought it was going to be more difficult. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year of the year that Curry was basically going to have a better year now than he did in 2016 individually, I'd have been like, how? And last night was a great, you know, it was a, it was a great testament to that because <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is when Curry is on, defense does not matter. It's to the point where the last shot that he took, where they were basically just decent there, they were uh, desperate and he launched from nearly half court off of a double team. It was to the point where I actually expected that to go in. Of course, it hit the backboard and it didn't go in. And thankfully, because that ended up in a Boston win. And also, I think the Boston arena would have, I think a hole would have opened up at mid floor and just swallowed the entire planet. Probably if that shot went in, because at that point, it just it, it wasn't believable anymore. The simulation would have broke. So it was a good thing that one didn't go in. But I expected it to. And I expected it to because I've watched in this whole season and specifically last night fling with little to no space. I saw him take a shot that barely missed last night where he saw a double team coming. He was on the right wing, and I think Marcus Smart or Pritchard, I, I might have a, I, I'll probably have it backwards, but one of them was coming over to double, and Curry just flinged it. It almost went in. It almost went in. It was it was kind of like a heat check shot. Um, there was another shot that he missed last night where Marcus Smart fell asleep for maybe two-tenths of a second, right? The ball came to Curry, and Marcus Smart just only two-tenths. That's the thing. We're all human, right? We're all human. We're not always super locked in, even if we're guarding Steph Curry. We're not always super locked in. And Marcus Smart, he just didn't turn his head fast enough, and the ball was already gone. He almost made that one. It was in and out. I don't know if that miss was his fault. Regardless, for every almost miss that there was last night, there was an incredible make. And it was defended well, probably fouled. Uh, it's... It's actually so ridiculous. That's why I tweeted out, y'all, this isn't normal because it's not. We watch it and we expect these shots to go in. Every time Curry shoots now, I expect it to go in. No matter who's there, there's two people there. I expect it to go in. But you kind of forget and we kind of get spoiled because we've been watching this for about six years now. Forget this is not normal. There's not another player that can shoot like this. That's why all these things about, oh, if you put ex-player in his position that that fam like he i think it's the thing we probably missed over the last few years where we say oh curry's had it easy i think this season kind of proves no curry made it easy sure i can't believe he had clay thompson and kevin around the same floor with him that does seem extremely wild to me like it, it was wild to me back then but now seeing what he's doing without space that's still wild i'm like bro people really had to guard this guy one-on-one -on -one. At, at a point he was really like open <laughs> at a point in his career that was a thing that was allowed to happen sure but watching what he's doing without space you kind of got to give him his, his credit in that as well and say sure whatever you say he had it easy but he also made it very easy his skill set uh he's one of the best players ever he he only has to accomplish a couple of more things probably to crack a top 10 spot let's be real i was thinking about that while i was watching the game last night at a certain point curry could in top 10 because he can clearly keep playing for a long time if he can do like this where what is he now um, he's in his young 30s and he doesn't really have help this year on the offensive end but he can do this all it's going to take is a decent situation and some health and some luck that they've had over the last few years for him to add some more accolades 
And at that point, you'll be able to say, well, he completely passes the eye tests. The stats, they speak for themselves. And the accolades are there as well. Uh, how much more do you need before you start saying he's right there at top 10 or he is top 10? I think at a certain point, Curry will probably break that top 10 spot. But either way, that's into the future. I don't want to get into all the comparison and uh, projecting out. I just kind of want to appreciate what we have here. The Warriors are 28 and 29 at the moment. If there was no play in, they would still be competitive for a playoff spot. <laughs> and that's what's scaring people, right? <laughs> I saw people <laughs> clowning the Mavericks. Cause I think it was Mark Cuban that came out and saying the things about the play in. They were like, yeah, they see Steph Curry on that ass. That's why they don't, <laughs> that's why they don't want the play in. Cause you know, if you get into a play in with the Warriors, sure, they don't have a great team, but if you're throwing two or three people at Curry and he's still making it, well, you're just you're just out of luck for that game. You're just out of luck for the playoffs. Your whole season, you just lost to Steph Curry, basically. <laughs> Your whole season just lost to Steph Curry. Um, but it is really so special, bro. It is really special. I appreciate the what he's what he's putting out because I look back at some seasons that I was a I was a kid for and I was a little bit young for, so I didn't really know what was going on. I would see a player on TV and they were now I, I'm able to put it into context. I'm like, wow, that was really crazy. But as a kid watching it, I was just kind of watching basketball or I had my own agenda <laughs> or teams that I needed to push or whatever. And I maybe didn't appreciate it as much uh, this year. I, I completely appreciate this. And I can't wait to see Curry in a winning situation again, because for everything he did last night, they still lost. They lost the game. Uh, it was predictable. That's why I, I wasn't even tripping. We were down by 12 or 13 points at a certain point. And I'm like, okay, well, Curry's going to leave the floor and things are going to get difficult for them. It's like clockwork. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Tatum looked great. A lot of people have been talking about Steph Curry MVP cases. And even if they're not talking about an MVP case, they're talking about him being the most valuable player. And I made a video uh, about a week ago before the Nuggets situation went to hell about Jokic being the MVP, which I think at this specific moment, he clearly is. I'll probably get into some MVP talking a little bit, but I get in terms of value. We have the same conversation. It seems every year I get the whole thing about value and what it actually means, because if you're going by that, the Warriors, what, what do you think their record would be if Curry hadn't played this season? I'm pretty sure they would probably be down there with the Kings or the Minnesota Timberwolves, more than likely. Yeah, I'm almost 100% sure that's where we would be at right now. But instead, they're competing for a playoff spot. If you look at some advanced stats with him on the floor and with him off the floor, I'm sure you'll find everything you need to say. Curry is absolutely the most valuable player this season. But I just don't get into I don't get into banging my head against the wall when it comes to basketball arguments because, guys, we know he's not winning the MVP. He's not going to win it as a, as a play-in team or as a player that might not even make the playoffs. I, has that ever happened? I, th I think, did that happen? Uh, uh, I don't want to say off the top of my head, Kareem had an MVP and didn't make the playoffs. I think I remember something like that. Either way, that's irrelevant. It's not happening in 2021. That's why you don't see me tweeting about it and rage tweeting about it and this, that, and the other thing. I just appreciate what he's doing and just let it be at that. But I'm not trying to push an agenda for him you know, to get another MVP award because it's not going to happen. We've seen players in bad situations before and they were doing great. But you know, at the end of the day, there's another player up there that's doing great and they're actually contending or they've kept their team afloat and they're actually winning. And that's who the MVP is going to go to. It's just kind of that simple. 
So, but make no mistake about it, though. Yes, <laughs> the fact that the Warriors might be in the playoffs and they've had injuries the whole year and now James Wiseman has gone as well and they still might end up in the playoffs. And it's not like a Chicago Bulls situation where the play-in just completely saves them. Like, they're in range without the play-in. So, it's that type of deal. Uh, yeah, we, we appreciate Steph Curry around these parts. But whatever you want to say about his career and what happened and, oh, he got lucky here and whatever. I think this season proved everything that he needed to prove. I think he proved everything he needed to prove. Because if he would have came in and been shut down or just looked like a regular shooter, or a, not a regular shooter, that, that's a bad term to use. If he would have just looked like a regular player without the super team and without the space, then yeah, it probably would have looked bad. And people would have said, oh, well, that devalues this, that, and the other thing. And now you just look at this season and say, okay, this is just one of the greatest players of all time, whether he's playing with G League squad or he's playing with the God squad. It, it doesn't matter. That's Steph Curry for you. Um, and so I guess that's a good segue to the MVP because he is one of the most valuable players in the NBA right now. It to me, it seems to be Jokic. It's got to be Nikola Jokic. I already made the video, so I don't really need to go through that whole thing again. I can talk about an angle I really didn't discuss in that video, and that was about Joel Embiid. So Embiid is back to my knowledge. He's only missed 17 games this year. He's every bit as dominant as he was. These 76ers are first in the East. They are 39 and 17. That puts them. Yeah, put some a good bit of games uh, above the Denver Nuggets, and so now the question has been becoming, especially because Embiid plays elite defense on top of what he's doing on the offensive end, is there enough time for him to make up what he missed? Because he missed 17 games, so is there enough time for him to basically nullify what Jokic did in that stretch and end up winning the MVP? Well, a straw poll came out from ESPN and about the MVP votes, and it showed all the player all the candidates and who got first place votes and Jokic seems to be ahead by a mile I don't see that gap closing and to be told availability it just it matters in the race and so I'm not sure like how many more games can Embiid miss how many more games can he miss because you know he's probably going to miss some between now and the next month I don't know if he's playing all of them especially wanting to be healthy and wanting to make a championship run I don't think they're trying to force it so that he can win MVP so if he misses for any reason then It'll be kind of difficult. On the defensive end, I saw Rachel Nichols making that argument. Basically, like there's a whole other side of the ball, and we have to consider that. Is that enough, though? Is that enough to close the gap? Because I think Jokic opened up a sizable lead while everybody was out. While LeBron was out, Embiid was out. I think Jokic opened up a gap. And with Embiid back, uh, you have about a little bit, a little bit over a month, a little bit less than a month ago. Is his defensive contributions, does that create a big enough gap between he and Jokic there to say, yeah, he'll be able to overtake him? Considering everything else, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I think for Joel Embiid to overtake him, the Nuggets would have to do terrible without Jamal Murray. And they were already playing without him for a couple of games. Earlier this year, they didn't have Michael Porter Jr., Jokic has just kind of been doing his thing regardless, and he's played every single game. So, again, they're four seed right now. I don't see them falling any lower than fifth at the point we're at. Yeah, that's actually, that's not going to happen. They would have to, they would have to become average pretty quickly. They would have to become average pretty quickly, and Jokic would have to put up some pretty average performances, all while the Sixers would probably have to hang on to the first seed, and or Embiid would just have to continuously dominate to close the gap of where it is and at this point i think those are basically the only legitimate mvp candidates 
I'm very practical when it comes to the MVP case. I don't, of course, there's guys in the conversation. We always use that term. Who's in the conversation? I, I get it. But at this point, I think there's only two guys that can legitimately win it. Because LeBron James is not going to come back two or three weeks from now and still be in the race. That's not happening. Whatever, wherever you think he was in the race before that, whatever. He's not, that's not happening. The Blazers, Lillard kept them above water, but that's still not happening. He's not moving. The situation is not getting any better than fifth seed for the Blazers. Not winning MVP. They're not giving it to Chris Paul. The Suns have been great. And I agree, Chris Paul definitely deserves to be in a conversation. I have utmost uh, consideration, respect, and, and love for Chris Paul being great wherever he goes. But no, he's not having a better season than a lot of these MVP candidates. Uh, that's a lot of that's a big team thing that's happening there in Phoenix. So he can be in the conversation, but he's not going to win it. And that's the thing. I'm just not into having conversations about at this late in the season. I just don't like to have conversations about people we know aren't going to win it because it gets to this thing where people get emotional about it and the agenda pushing gets really hard. Oh my gosh, this is really, it's not hard at this point. Nobody on the Nets is winning it. Uh, James Harden has been out for a good time. Nobody on the Nets is winning anymore. The James Harden MVP agenda, it's gone. That's no longer needs to be pushed. Giannis, uh, they look at this point like they are firmly stuck in the third seed. Giannis is not repeating as a third seed unless somebody else gets hurt. God forbid. Let me not put that into the universe. Uh, yeah, at, at this point, it pretty much is going to be Jokic or it's going to be Embiid and Jokic has got the gap so that's kind of where I sit with the MVP but hey what's I I I really fear (laughs) me and Storyteller were talking about it two two podcasts ago or whenever that was and we were saying um the the awards people are just coming for these awards and they're devaluing them and what happens when we have a first round out this year a first round out Jokic but he's got the MVP and then people are going to say oh well this guy should have won it anyways or LeBron's a real MVP we we pretty much already we pretty much already know where it's going um I can see the writing on the wall with that but the West is fascinating the Western Conference is extremely fascinating Lakers clear favorites for me but it's interesting I think Utah is better than people think I love Phoenix the Clippers are still there it happened pretty much like I said it would nobody's really interested in that storyline anymore because they blew it last year but silently Paul George has been doing really good and Kawhi Leonard's been load managing a bit as they get ready for the playoffs and somebody asked me uh, I think it was in locker room or on Twitch what chance I give the Clippers and I said the same, I, I give them the same opportunity I gave them last year. They have Rondo now. Rondo has been a plus for them, by the way. When has Rondo not been good for a contending team at this point? Except 2015 in Dallas. There was a lot going on there. But despite all that, yeah, he's been a plus for them. They don't even have Ibaka yet. I said I give them the same chances last year. Last year, I thought the West was really competitive. And I thought the Lakers and Clippers had the best chances. But... I was well prepared for the fact that anything could happen to either one of them and something did happen to the Clippers. And so they didn't make it. And so I'm exactly like that this year. Uh, I had the Lakers and then the Clippers still have, I I think they had the same chance they had last year. The West is a little bit tougher, but I I still see them exactly the same Uh, something might happen to them and take them out or they might go all the way like they were supposed to. I don't know. The only team that I'm really Xing out of that contender spot now is, is, is Denver. That's just a sad story. I haven't really talked about the Eastern conference that much. Um, despite the play-in and Bradley Beal and Westbrook. Ah, the East. The East, the East, the East. Well, Boston is on a run, finally. <laughs> Guys are getting healthy. They've won six games straight. They are fourth in the East. 
Shout out to the locker room gang. Everyone was laughing at me in the room when I said we're going to take fourth. I wasn't saying anything crazy. Everyone was laughing at me like I said something crazy. All I said was we're going to win a couple of games. <laughs> That's the difference between being eighth and fourth. Now, of course, that means they could also fall because Boston has been very bipolar this year. But they also haven't been healthy. They have not been healthy. Kimball Walker, they were working him into shape. He looked really bad at points this season. Jason Tatum says he takes an inhaler before games because COVID messed him up. He's close to 100%, but he's not 100%, which is crazy because he had a 50-point game a week and a half ago. And now he had a 40-point game against Steph Curry and the Warriors. And he's just looked great. One of the toughest shot makers in the league. Uh, bad shot taker, bad shot maker at points. And so they are <laughs> all that work. And they are, let's see here two games they're like two games out of seventh so yeah this could still go south and it could be a play-in team but they they're trending in the right direction anything uh, compared to what was happening with them before this that's trending in the right direction i still don't think the defense is incredible but i'm glad to see guys are getting their feet under them brad stevens said he was not going to sacrifice player health to chase seating which is extremely smart but I'm still realistic. So right now, I'll tell you what I see with Boston. If they were to hold on to the fourth seed, which is very possible at the rate that it's going, I still see them as best case scenario. Uh, second round, I think a second tough second round out. So, yeah. So fourth seed, they're going to end up playing. We don't have a we don't have a damn clue right now. We don't have a clue because things are changing. Right now, it would be the Hawks, but it could also end up being the Knicks. It could also end up being the Heat. Yeah. And the first round as a Boston fan, I want to play anybody but the Heat because the Heat's roster, although it's not going great for them this season and injuries and all this, this and the other thing. I don't want to see the team that beat us last year and the team that has, in my opinion, the best roster out of all these guys in the first round. I'd much rather see them play Atlanta. Uh, lack of playoff experience, which I've never even put that much in a playoff experience. But still, um, I think that's a team that Boston could beat. I think it, it, healthy because this season they beat us a couple of times. But in a series, I think they could beat Atlanta. The Knicks, although they look great defensively, and Julius Randle looks awesome. Yeah, I'd rather see the Hawks, and then maybe the Knicks. And then if you can get us the Hornets, cool. And if worse comes to worse, sure, put us against Miami. But, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely keep that four seed, uh, home court advantage against those squads, and give us the least... <laughs> at least challenging one out of all that if they can avoid Miami I definitely think they're going to the second round and that's where it kind of ends that's just kind of where it ends because at that point they would be playing Philly yeah they absolutely would play Philly or, or the Nets the net because Brooklyn is just health away from being first seed at this point so what do you want me to say bro <laughs> what do you want me to say uh Boston's defense hasn't been great all season we're gonna get Evan Fournier which does not do much to fix the defensive issues maybe they'll get a little bit better as they're healthy and everyone has their legs under them but i think there's still a as every team has a problem dealing with Embiid, we especially would have a problem with that we got destroyed by bam last year of course tice is gone now so that's cool Rob, more robert williams minutes yay for that but uh yeah i don't you're not gonna see me choosing them to eliminate philly philly's a different monster this year they've got the what would have been the mvp without injuries I am very interested in what's happening with Ben Simmons in the half court, but that's still, I, I still think they would have enough with Tobias Harris and you got Curry. I think that would be enough to get Boston in the second round. And so it would kind of stop there. Of course, they wouldn't beat Brooklyn. Um, and yeah, I just kind of keep it realistic. I just kind of keep it realistic. I'm, I'm more happy about the future. I like the steps that Tatum and Brown are taking this year. The steps that Tatum is taking as a playmaker. And of course, Brown is taking that mega leap. 
And so we're not going to win a championship this year. Boston is not going to win a championship this year. That would be a very tough ask for this roster. Uh, I'm more happy that they have two guys secured for the future and that they can put something around that and they can be right back in the conference finals in a year or two and we'll see what happens. Other than that, we are dealing with some, we're dealing with (laughs) the reigning MVP in this conference, a big three, and what would have been the current MVP. It's very top heavy. It's very top heavy. Brooklyn... Brooklyn is fascinating, man. Brooklyn is fascinating because somebody is out every other game. And I really do wonder if that's going to matter at a certain point. Because I have people saying it's not going to and that you're overthinking it if you wonder how they're just going to put this all together in the playoffs after having not played together the entire season. That's something that I wonder about. That is something that I think about. It's not why I would say, oh, they're not going to win it. But it is why I would think about it. It is, it is why it would creep into my mind. Because at first it's it's Kyrie and KD, and then KD sits out, and then Harden is back, and then whoops, Harden is gone now, so now it's just Kyrie. It's just this, this incredible mixture of this team that's been able to hang on to the second seed <laughs> while barely playing any of their guys together this year. It's ridiculous. They lost to Marcus Aldridge. Uh, he's retired. So they didn't just lose him. He retired out of nowhere the other day. He had an irregular heartbeat. So he dipped. I do think so. The Marcus Aldridge obviously wasn't fixing their defensive problems, as we said. I saw some good effort from him in his time there, but at the end of the day, he, there was also mistakes, and you were looking at it in the playoffs and saying he's maybe he can do enough for them, but also he's not great at it like we thought. But 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 Aldridge was still posting up. He was still drawing defensive attention, and he was still hitting his shots. And so when that team was fully healthy, I thought LaMarcus Aldridge was going to give them a, dim- a dimension that would have probably made them, I don't want to say unbeatable, but look, I was imagining Aldridge posting up and three offensive superstars just running around on the floor and setting screens for each other and moving around. And so now a team's option was to send more defensive attention to LaMarcus Aldridge or he could still hit that mid-range he was very proficient at. Shout out to Slam. <laughs> Underrated mid-range. Or they could, yeah, they, they could send help and then there would be somebody open. And I was looking at that and I was saying, I don't know how anybody's going to deal with that. So while they didn't have to have Aldridge to win, I do think that was a, I do think that was an important element he was bringing to that team. I guess the bright side with him not being there is Nick Claxton will hopefully see more minutes. Nick Claxton is their, uh, their defensive antidote to DeAndre Jordan's <laughs> lack of defense. And so hopefully he doesn't just get buried in the rotation. I thought with uh, Aldridge there, and I see DJ's getting some minutes still. Yeah, I thought with Aldridge and Blake and DJ, maybe he might lose some of those. Uh, So maybe that's a positive. And at the end of the day, they just got to get everybody on the floor together. At some point, we have to see all three of them, right? KD is back, but he's load managing. Harden's no word on when he's coming back. Kyrie is prone to take a... Uh, a break for whatever personal reasons he has. He's just prone to that. That's just what it is. And he'll disappear for a game or two. And then the playoffs start in in a month. So, ah, look, in 2011, Miami, they put that big three together. They got to play together throughout the whole season. They didn't have issues. And they still lost. They lost to a team that was able to exploit their weaknesses. But also, LeBron and Wade, their first year together, LeBron just didn't want to take over he didn't want that to be his team yet or they didn't know that power dynamic between he and wade they didn't quite know how to handle that 
So after a year under their belt, we was like, all right, this is yours and happily ever after, right? Um, KD, Kyrie, and Harden only had seven games on the floor together. It definitely looked scary when they were there. But again, when it comes to the playoffs, you kind of want to know, kind of want to have very defined roles, I guess I'm trying to say. Kind of want to know what your go-to is. Uh, they Again, they were halves where when the, those seven games they had together, they were halves where Harden was just pretty much deferring and letting Kyrie and KD do, do their thing. And then he got to go on this whole stretch where he got to play his brand of basketball and it was putting him in the MVP conversation. So I just want to see them on the floor together. I just want to see that. And when it does happen, because it's probably going to happen, when it does happen, at that point, yeah, in the playoffs, whether they've had season time together or not, I guess that's my only concern about them, but they probably won't have an issue getting out because uh, that tweet Steve Jones put out was perfect. He was like, Joel Embiid, the Nets have a Joel Embiid problem, which checks notes every team in the NBA has. So, yeah, nobody can really stop Joel Embiid, but it was not encouraging the other night when the Nets... Uh, with only Kyrie who were competitive with them and then Kyrie went out and then their bench almost won the game just from a mental standpoint I don't ever judge games like that because at the end of the day you can only judge the game when everyone's on the floor but you can see Embiid didn't look happy after that win nobody really looked happy after that win and the Nets were all smiles because they were looking like yeah we, we got these guys <laughs> we got these guys and we're all here this is this is gonna be light work that's kind of that's kind of the vibe that they were giving off and in that playoff series, should that playoff series come to fruition with Brooklyn and Philly, I don't know that Embiid post-ups all series are going to be enough for me to say, yeah, that's how they're going to take down this super team. Because I, I do worry about Ben Simmons, man. I really do worry about Ben Simmons. I think he's a great defender. I think he brings great elements. And sure, uh, I'm not on the train of degrading him as a player because he doesn't shoot. But also in the half court, it does, and especially in the playoffs, that causes an issue when you're trying to go far. This is the same conversation we've been having for a year pretty much now, right? And so now we're here, and they have a uh, mountain to climb. And even Embiid said it the other day. He said that Simmons has got to make guys guard him in the half court. He's got to cause problems. And he just, he kind of doesn't. And that's going to be on the scouting report in a series like the one we are going to see, like the ones we are going to see. And we'll we'll see how that then pans out. Philly's great, but they, they they do have a test. They do have a test coming up. And they believe this is their year. They really do. You got Simmons talking about how he's absolutely the defensive player of the year. And Bede said he could win it as well. Um, they, they've, they were in the interviews, man. They were in the interviews answering questions. So these quotes are kind of like slowly coming out over the week. And people are like, oh, why are they talking so much? Like, it's just an, it's an interview when they answer questions. Like I said, I am totally for players being truthful. And so we talk about Brooklyn and Philly. And then we nobody ever really mentions the Bucks anymore in that because we're we're all sick of Milwaukee. We just are. After two years, we're sick of uh, the the playoff collapses and knowing that Giannis still has the same limitations on offense. And even though I think they have a better squad right now than they did, I still don't see that the, the level of expectations being set as they have been in the last couple of years. Probably because the the East has gotten more top heavy and it's gotten better. It's not like a dark horse anymore. Miami was a dark horse last year. And so that's going to be fascinating. Right now, they would play the Knicks. Well, it doesn't really matter. Those three teams, whoever they play in the first round, it doesn't matter. It's all about that second round matchup. Right now, that second round matchup, that 2-3 would be Milwaukee seeing the Brooklyn Nets in the second round. That's the way that would go. Yeah, Philly, Boston, Brooklyn, 
uh, Milwaukee. And if it does eventually switch, as I think it will, then it'd be Brooklyn Sixers in the second round. Right? My bad, no. Milwaukee Sixers in the second round. Yeah, Milwaukee and the Sixers in the second round. That's kind of where we are this season, bro. That is kind of where we are this season. I don't have a whole host of thoughts. I don't have a whole lot more thoughts than that, to be real. Um, I guess I'll show the Knicks some love, because I took the biggest L ever when it came to Julius Randle. When they drafted Obi Toppin, like, like, I looked at the Knicks before this season, how we always look at the Knicks. This team is building, and they're not really going anywhere, this, that, and the other thing. By the way, shout out to Derrick Rose and his Knicks stint. I saw the stat about how many games they've won with him on the floor. It's awesome. Love to see Rose doing well. We love Rose around these parts. But, yeah, they drafted Obi Toppin, and then I saw Thibodeau come in, and it's just like, oh, well, Toppin's not really going to get any minutes. They're all going to Randall. I knew Randall was decent, but I didn't understand why they would be going over guys like him and or why they'd be going with guys like him and Noel who at that point I'm looking at them and saying they've kind of been average this whole time or they've been bad all these years or the team has been bad all these years and you're really just trying to like the magic right now you're just trying to take a bunch of young trying to have a youth movement and build from there I thought that's kind of where the Knicks were going and so they're like nah we're gonna insert these proven guys and make the other guys earn it and it turns out the proven guys have gotten them into the playoffs not that that's a very hard task in the east but they're over 500 and Julius Randle is a very legitimate star in this league he just is I'd be lying to you if I said I saw that development coming from him. I do remember when he got drafted, uh, he broke his leg his first game. So you do start to wonder how he would have looked in his career without that moment, without that injury, how if he would have progressed faster. But here he is. I think he's he's showing some of the expectations that we were looking at when he first got drafted, which was it was a while ago. So you start to look at where he was in the league and say he's putting up decent numbers, but uh fan whatever team he was on guys fans really did not like him that much and they were like he's as good as he's gonna get that's kind of where i was with him that's kind of where i was with him and he just took this leap and that was not on my bingo card so i will take that l Knicks could still end up as high as fourth right now yeah whatever bro i'll, I'll take my Knicks l that I, I haven't taken many l's in my life as it relates to new york nobody really has um yeah whatever bro <laughs> miami is uh seventh seed right now and so if it's Talk like that, that would also be something to watch out for because that would give them either Miami or Brooklyn in the first round. Uh, Miami or Brooklyn. That would give them Philly or Brooklyn in the first round. And I don't think either of those teams particularly like that, considering they could be playing the Pacers or they could be playing the Hornets. They could be playing any of these other teams. So I think that's definitely what they're hoping for. You don't want to start off with the team that made the finals and has made some additions. Even though it's been weird for them this year, I still, if I'm a contending team, that's not who I want to see in the first round. We're in the East, goddammit. We're not, they do this in the Western Conference where you're playing legitimate squads in the first round. We don't, we don't do that over here. And like I mentioned with the Bulls earlier, yeah, Levine is out. So, we, and they haven't been great since they got Vucevic. I, I saw that going a lot better than it has. So, Magic fans are pleased. Chicago fans are rarely ever pleased. They have no reason to be. And they might fall out of the play-in. Yeah, they might fall out of the play-in. So keep an eye on that. Well, I think I am done with NBA talk for the day. Uh, and then we'll see. We'll see about like weekly podcasts or bi-weekly. Because really the thing that's happening right now is, again, we're just kind of at that point in the season. And it's kind of dragging a little bit, but not really because we have the play-in. But with so many injuries and so many blowouts sometimes, it's like, man, do I really want to... I really want to get on and discuss this and force a pod out of it. I'm not, I'm not an incredible 
X's and O's guy, like the Dunker spot over there, like Steve and Nikias. Those are that is my favorite podcast to listen to. Those dudes know more about the NBA than I will ever aspire to know. <laughs> so they have something to talk about every single week. So I might be back. I might be back next week, and I might not. But if you enjoyed it, be sure to hit the like button, comment, and subscribe. The link to this podcast on Spotify and iTunes is in the comment section in description. So if you prefer to listen to it. Uh, while you're on the go and you're not paying for YouTube music because who would do that, then yeah, that's your spot. I appreciate you all watching, and I'll see you on the next pod.